today and welcome to Bailed Up Podcast, the 28th episode. Now, today we're going to talk about all things cricket as we do on this cricket podcast. Now, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of cricket around the world. Now, this year, I think 2023 is going to be one of the biggest years for cricket in history. There's a lot of cricket going for the men's and women's game. It's the first year, the inaugural uh, women's IPL, so that's going to be a big deal. There's the IPL, there's an ODI World Cup for the men's, a T20 World Cup for the women's. There's lots of test cricket going on. There's the Ashes, and right now there's the Border Gavaska Trophy, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. Now, today on the podcast, I'm going to wrap up the BBL. I was there for the final in Perth at the Stadium. It was one of the greatest... BBL games and sporting events I've been to at Optus Stadium, it was just ridiculously loud to the point where my ears were just ringing the entire time. It was a great atmosphere. We'll talk about that in the first segment. Uh, Secondly, we're going to talk about the, have an in-depth look at the news over the last few weeks since the last step. There's been a lot of news around the cricket world with how much, uh, uh, crickets that's going on around the world as well and then the, for the third and final segment we're going to talk about um, the Border Gavaska Trophy what's going on with Australia it's um, in the first test versus India it's just that Australia they didn't look like they were fighting enough their bowling attack looked pretty good but it was just their batting lineup that really let them down. So we're going to talk about that and have some predictions of what the 11 is going to look like in that second test versus India in Delhi. Now, let's get into the first segment, which is the BBL Finals Wrap-Up. Welcome to the BBL Finals Wrap-Up. Now, the BBL Finals comes around every year when the BBL is on it, and it's always uh, promises to excite us now. This year, we had a fair few of the test players come back into the team. There was a lot of scheduling issues because lots of players decided to leave to go play other T20 comps. And on that um, topic, really quickly, uh, as we're heading into the future of cricket, there's lots and lots of these T20 leagues around the world. As, uh, at the moment, there is the um, T20 tournament in the UAE. There was the SA T20, which a lot of the um, players in the BBL left for. So that was a bit unfortunate. Like Faf Duplessis, he left. That's fair enough because he is South African. So I can see why some players do that. And then there's the IPL. There's just a, a lot of cricket going on at the moment. And I think if they want to figure out how to get the most of uh, most of entertainment around these uh, tournaments, they need to figure out how to um, schedule it. So then the star players like uh, Steve Smith, Joe Root, Faf Duplessis, all these players can go around to these tournaments um, and make sure that they're uh, showing these people in a whole bunch of different countries um, really entertaining good cricket, which is what we saw towards the end of the tournament. A lot of the test stars came back into the teams. Steve Smith got back-to-back hundreds. He was on absolute fire. So there was a lot of these things that um, I think they should um, talk about a bit more because if we want to look at the entertainment of the game, we really need to look at the scheduling aspect of it because if it... um, 
the scheduling was a bit better, then you're going to have much more uh, entertainment factor in it because there's lots of those star players in it as well. So let's get into the BBL Finals wrap. Now in the BBL Finals, there was the Heat, the Thunder, the Renegades, the Sixers, and the Scorchers. Now we're going to head off to the first game. The first game of the Finals was very unlucky for the Thunder. Only one wicket had fallen during their chase or um, after 203. The Heat were ridiculously well. Usman Kawaja played a big role in that game before he headed off to um, India. The Thunder, only one wicket had fallen. They were, weren't were in the great position runs-wise, but they had the wickets in the um, in the shed to go and um, play some expansive shots later in the innings. Uh, but the rain restricted it. They didn't get to play any of the rest of the game, and that meant that the Heat won by the DLS method. I'm still saying the DLS method is one of the stupidest rules in the history of cricket. I can see why it was proposed, but sometimes it just really makes me wonder, in a final situation, wouldn't you just replay the game? So we'll uh, talk about that at some point in the future. The second game of the finals, which is called the qualifier, this was the Scorchers versus Sixers. The Sixers looked on top most of the game, especially at the beginning of the second innings. As a Scorchers fan, this made me very nervous. But after the fall of a few early uh, wickets, a massive partnership between Ashton Turner and Cam Brancroft saw them home. This is one of a really, really great partnership. They were just running singles pretty much every ball. They didn't look like in a good uh, position at the start of that innings. I was really just... I was just thinking they were going to lose. And then Ashton Turner, as he always does for the Scorchers, he just brought them home with um, Cam Bancroft. They both scored 50s. Um, Ashton Turner got about 85, so well done to Ashton Turner. In my opinion, he was the player of the finals. Um... They saw them home, and they went straight through to the grand final, which we talk about a little bit later. For the third game, the Renegades played the Heat in a reasonably close encounter. Sean Marsh, in his first game back in the BBL for a, for a while, made 82 or 53 balls, but Kawaja steady half-century, and Matt Ranshaw's power-hitting guided them home. Now, it was a it was a reasonably good total by the Renegades. Um, uh, Will Sutherland... Uh, this year in the BBO has done some really great things. Good with the bat, good with the ball. He's gotten way better at these power hitting, which is what we saw in that third game of the finals. They um, unfortunately lost. The Heat were a stronger side. And this was when um, we were led into the second last game of the finals when the Heat came in as very much not the favourites, because a bunch of the test stars, like Matt Ranshaw, Kawaja, Labashane, Schwepson, they had to all leave for, for the test matches. The second last game of the finals was a very close game, with the Sixers playing the Heat at the SEG. In my opinion, momentum changed the entire game, with the Heat dominating the first innings and restricting the Sixers to 9 for 116. Now, it was one of the best bowling innings I've seen from... um. Uh, the Heat, um, to restrict a team like the Sixers to that small of a total was just ridiculous. They got really early wickets and just pretty much just put their middle order under pressure and then got more wickets because of that. Um, but the Heat lost some early wickets, which caused Michael Neza to walk out to bat. Michael Neza made 48 not out of 32 balls and pretty much single-handedly won the game for the Heat. 
Uh, no other batter really did it for them in the innings, but Michael Nazar played a really good role um, towards the end of the game. He had a really slow start, and then with some good power hitting, he won the game for them. Uh, the Heat were missing the likes of Kawaja, Renshaw, Labashain, and Swepson, so they were at a really big disadvantage, in my opinion. But they made it to the finals after beating the Sixers. Moving on to the final of the BBL for 2023. Now, it was a very, very exciting game. I was lucky enough to be there on the 4th of February. It was a really, really great game to be at, but we'll talk about that. And a little bit later, we're going to go into the scores and how the game turned out. Now, uh, Brisbane Heat elected to uh, bowl first, which in the end wasn't a great decision, but... It looked like they were going to win towards the end of the second inning, so I reckon it was a good decision by them, but they just weren't strong enough in the end. Um, at the start of their innings, they were doing really well. Um, once again, Josh Brown did some big hitting for them early on in their innings. Um, they got a few early wickets. Um, Jason Berendorf, Matt Kelly, they did really well early in the innings. Jason Berendorf taking two for 26 or four overs. It was a a very good game, as, I, as I've said many times. They ended their 20 overs, 7 for 175 after some uh, really steady innings, a big partnership between Nathan McSweeney and Sam Hazlitt, which as a fan of the Scorchers sitting up on the third tier at Opta Stadium, I was getting pretty worried because I thought they were going to get a pretty big total. And then um, the total got bigger when Max Bryant came out to bat and got 31 of 14 at the end of the Brisbane Heat's batting innings. Now, the Scorchers open up to bat, and they didn't have the greatest of starts. They were going along pretty steadily. And then, for some reason, Stephen Eskenazi got run out in, I think, the worst way possible. It was a, it was a pretty steady Steady way, I was feeling pretty relaxed as I was watching the game. Everyone around us was feeling pretty relaxed. We thought um, the Scorchers were going to cruise home, and then Stephen Eskenazi decided not to slide his bat. Um, the ball hit the stumps, and he was out. So that was a, a not a great start to the innings after a pretty steady partnership between him and Bancroft. Now, it was a few falls of um, just scores that were a bit disappointing. Uh, Cam Bancroft got 15. Um, Aaron Hardy got 17 of 13. He's been really great for the Scorchers this year. And then Josh Inglis and Ashton Turner had um, a partnership that kind of changed the game, steadied them on, but they were still behind the run rate quite a lot. Um, Josh Inglis didn't play the most uh, fluid of innings like he usually does, got 26 of 22 and then um, got out. And then Ashton Turner, we uh, all thought in the crowd that Ashton Turner was going to guide us home to victory. He ended up 53 off 32 with five fours and two sixes. Um, and then another run out happened. This one, in my opinion, has got to be worse. He runs down the pitch and then Nick Hobson says no. And then Nick Hobson realizes that um, Ashton Turner could be out and then tries at the, in a last ditch effort to run past Ashton Turner to make himself get out. And then um, after much replays up at Opta Stadium, we saw that Ashton Turner was actually one who was out. It was silence just rang around the stadium. It was a horrible feeling. And I remember saying, I think they've lost now. And then Cooper Connolly 
if you don't know, Cooper Conley was actually on the Bowed Up podcast uh, a few episodes ago, so remember to go check that one out. Um, episode number 25, I think it was, Captaining Australia with Cooper Conley. He walked out to bat, and um, from his words, he said um, to Nick Hobson, I reckon we can win this. Nick Hobson and him played a really vital role. They just absolutely smacked it to all parts of the ground. Cooper Conley, first or second ball, smacked one over mid-off for six runs. It was ridiculous. And then he hit another six. It was pretty much just a baseball swing over mid-wicket for six more runs. That was a massive hit. The airtime on that shot was ridiculous. And the crowd was ridiculously loud. It was one of the loudest crowds I've ever been a part of. So that was amazing. And then Nick Hobson hits another six um, in the first ball of the last over. And they needed 10 runs to win off the last over. Nick Hobson hit a six. And then... He hit a four. He was pretty much just trying to slog at that point to get the runs and that uh, top edge over um, the wicketkeeper, pretty much over the wicketkeeper, and then that went down for four. It was ridiculous noise. Everyone was running onto the field. It was a great atmosphere at the Stadium and a great effort from them because without them, the Perth Scorchers looked in real big trouble. Well done to the Brisbane Heat. Well done to um, them for the entire season. They finished. They were dead last for some of the season then came up and then made a ridiculous last ditch effort towards the end of the finals to make it to the grand final that's it for the bbl finals wrap up now um, moving on to the next segment welcome to predictions where we obviously predict something now we're going to talk about the border gavaska trophy in today's segment of predictions what Australia's 11 is going to look like in the second test of the Border Gavaska Trophy. And we're also going to look back at um, some of the ro- results that have happened um, in the stadium that they're playing at. The second test is going to be played in Delhi at Aaron Jaitley Stadium, which apparently has a fair bit of slow bounce, which is why I've kept both spinners in. We'll look at that a little bit later. Historically, it is also good for pace bowlers with a fair bit of bounce. Let's get straight into that 11. Right now, the top four, I've kept the same. Now, you can't chuck out Warner, Kawaja, Labashane or Smith. They've shown for quite a while that they'd uh, fit in those sort of spots. And The fifth player, uh, this is when I have a few ins. Uh, number five, I've got Travis Head. Now, this was quite controversial when um, they said that they would omit Travis Head. If you don't, if you don't give him the opportunity to play at those pitches, then how is he going to get better? He's one of the best Test players in Test cricket at the moment, and you're not giving him an opportunity to uh, prove himself in a um, in a subcontinent region. And I reckon we need another person like that who's going to play attacking cricket. If you have um, Head um, joined with Carey, and then you have Warner as well, them playing really attacking shots. So I'm going to have Travis Head number five. I don't know why they didn't have him in there the first test, but hopefully we can see him in the second test. He can also bowl some really, really great off spins, so that's going to be super useful in that test in Delhi. And number six, also another in, I've got Cam Green. Now, it may, may seem a bit harsh um, to chuck Matt Ranshaw and Pete Hanscom out of the side after they haven't played test cricket for quite a while. They haven't. They didn't contribute much to the team um, in the first test, but um, in my opinion, if Cam Green's fit, if he's batting well and if he's bowling well, he's straight in the side. Um, he does a lot for the side, and he's a player 
who's proved himself for the last couple of years. And I reckon that um, in the next uh, test or the test after, in the third or fourth test, he's going to make his first test 100. That's my big prediction. And uh, in the second test, in my opinion, he should be in the side. Um He's going to really help the um, bowling outfit because I've included two spinners and two pace bowlers. If those pace bowlers or spin bowlers um, get tired because their uh, Indy's probably going to bat for a long period of time, you've got Cam Green to go and bowl um, good pace, good line and length every single ball. So I've got Cam Green in. And then I've got um, Alex Carey, number seven. He played some. He played really well. He got 37 um, above runner ball. So he always plays at a good strike rate. Um, he wicket catch really well. Took a few great catches. So I'm definitely having him on the side. Uh, at eight, I've brought back in Stark, Mitch Stark. He's a player that's going to create some foot marks for um, the two spinners I've got. And also... If he's fit, he's definitely in the Australian team. He's going to um, call, uh, I reckon he's going to disrupt um, some of the Indian players with his pace and his bounce um, and the line and lengths he bowls. He's going to make foot marks for those spin bowlers. So I am definitely have him in the side and also he's quite a reliable batsman. Um, when you get further down the order, the last... Um, a f- in the last year or so, Pat Cummins hasn't had the greatest form with the bat. Um, and then Nathan Lyon, um, yeah, when he's in the side, it's Nathan Lyon. They, those players aren't the greatest bats, so that's why we have Mitch Stark in there, so he can bat at number eight, and he can um, bowl and open those footmarks up for those spinners. And number nine, I've got the captain, Pat Cummins. I've pushed him down to number nine for the reasons I said before. I just think that... Um, he should be down at number nine because his form batting-wise hasn't been too great. He um, At the start of the first day when Australia first bowling, it didn't seem like he... I didn't hear like he was uh, bowling that great, but then there was that really ripper of a ball that he bowled to Rohit Sharma that um, sent the off-peg cartwheeling. So I still have him in the side. He's obviously captain, and he's been a really great player for a, a long, long time, so I'm including him in the side. And number 10, I've got... Um, Todd Murphy. Now, um, people could say I could include a different spinner, but after seven for a hundred odd on debut, I don't think I'd really can, um, in this prediction to drop him out of the side. He played, bowled really well, played really well for, um, for those, uh, for that, for those figures. Even though I was on a really spin friendly wicket, I still think that, um, in a non, uh, not as spin-friendly wicket at Aaron Jaitley Stadium in Delhi, I still think he can cause some damage, and then that means that him and Lion can bowl back to back. So that leads us on to our number eleven, which is Lion. Um, I reckon these two spin bowlers, they're both off spin bowlers, they're pretty different types of um, off spin bowlers, but I think they're really going to be well assisted by um, Mitch Stark steaming in, creating those foot marks outside the right hander and outside the left hander. So that is my 11. And we're just going to talk about the Border Gavaska Trophy for a little bit. Now, where they're playing at Aaron Jaitley Stadium, past test matches show that it is quite a batter friendly wicket. 
The last test match being between India and Australian Aaron Jaitley Stadium was a run fest, to be quite honest. India got scores of 7 for 613 and 5 for 208. Both of them were declared, by the way. While Australia also got 577 in their first innings and then none for 31. This game ended in a pretty boring draw and it was in 2008. So the pitch conditions could have changed, but... In that game, a total of six half centuries, 102 double hundreds were made. And um, uh, people are saying in the last test that there was a very, very spin-friendly wicket. It seems like historically, based on those test matches, that um, the the wickets taken in this match were shared pretty evenly amongst the pace and spin bowlers. So that's going to be good to see. We have inclusions of pace and spin bowlers. and um, So that means that we're going to see... Uh, a, a well round, a better well rounded um, game overall. The most recent test match of this stadium was in 2017. That was also a run fest where Sri Lanka and India got a total of 1,454 runs made during the match. So, based on this, um, these stats, it just seems like um, it is quite a batter friendly wicket. But since then. Um, there hasn't been uh, the the chase down totals. So when teams chase, they can't really chase super um, big totals. And uh, uh, as I said earlier, apparently it has a bit of slow bounce, which I think it's um, going to be good for the spinners. And I think this is my prediction for the second test um, of Australia versus India. I see this match ending in a very exciting draw. I think that India... Um, are going to lead the entire test. Um, India are going to carry momentum on from the first test, and I reckon they're nearly going to win, but then Australia have that fight that they're going to um, stop them from winning, and it's going to end in a very exciting draw. I really want to see Australia fight back from that really horrible defeat um, in that first test in Nagpur, so hopefully we can see Australia fight back because it was a pretty much just demolition from India, so hopefully we can see a good Test match in um, at Aaron Jaitley Stadium in Delhi. Now that's it for the Border Gavaskar Trophy and predictions. And moving on to the weekly whack. Welcome to the weekly whack, where we talk about all things news. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of news in the cricket world, and let's get straight into it with one of the opening games of the World Cup. South Africa faced against Sri Lanka, and it was a big upset um, against the hometown heroes. Uh, Sri Lanka beat um, South Africa in a really, really great game. No one really saw that um, coming, and in my opinion, I'm talking to South Africa here. Was it the greatest decision to decide to um, not include your captain in the squad? Now, in my opinion, if she was um, playing in that game, she would have made a massive difference with bat and ball, and that's what they were missing out in that um, first game in the World Cup. Their batting didn't look up to standard as it usually is with the South African women's cricket team. So moving on to one of the other games of the T20 World Cup for the women's uh, was Australia versus New Zealand, the opening game for Australia and New Zealand. In the first innings, Australia got 9 for 173, with the big players, uh, Lissa Healy making 50, 55 of 38. Uh, Beth Mooney, unfortunately, didn't have the greatest start to her World Cup co- um, um, campaign. But as we know, 
Beth Mooney is one of the, one of the great Australian players, so she's probably going to fight back and make some really big scores throughout the T20 World Cup. Meg Lanning got 41 off 33. Elise Perry got 40 off 22. And then Grace Harris came in towards the end of the innings, um, getting 14 off six balls. Um, the big... Uh, bowlers for uh, New Zealand were Amelia Kerr, 3 for 23 off 4, and uh, Leah Tahuhu, who got 3 for 37 off 4 overs. Now, that was that um, the Australian team ended up 9 for 173, and in came the Australians to bowl. Now, it didn't come off to the greatest start with uh, two golden ducks for the opening pair. I saw the replay. Susie Bates tried to play this w- weird ramp shot. It's a T20 game, but it's first ball, and she got bowled through the legs. Sophie Devine also got out, and those early wickets in the first over from Megan Shoot, great bowling, great in-swing bowler, good line and length, but those early, early wickets didn't really set them off to a great start. Um, Elise Perry got a wicket, um, and then Ash Gardner pretty much cleaned them up. The, hot, the top score for New Zealand was 21 of 30 balls, and that was Amelia Kerr, which was the top score of 76 in their total of 76. So Ash Gardner, who got 5 for 12 of 3 overs, and that's the best um, bowling figures an Australian has ever gotten in a T20 World Cup. So well done to Ash Gardner and the Australian women's cricket team. On to the next piece of news Kuhneman, uh, Matt Kuhneman from Queensland has been added to the Australian Test Squad. He has replaced uh, Mitch Swepshin. Apparently, he was um, uh, he plays for Queensland. They're playing in a Sheffield Shield match at the moment. He's been bowling really great for Queensland. Um, he got a call when he was putting spikes up to go out onto the field from George Bailey, and he said, uh, mate, you're flying out to India on Monday, and we're going to see you there, and you're on the test squad, by the way. So that's pretty good from um, Kuhneman. Hopefully we can see him play throughout the series. Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell, he broke his leg before um, the Big Bash. It was eyeing a spot in the test squad in India. He's um, played really well in India in the past, so hopefully we can see him in uh, playing for Victoria in the Sheffield Shield. That is all for the weekly whack and moving on to the outro. Thank you for listening to the 28th episode of the Bail It Up podcast. And recently with the BBL finals, Cooper Conley was the winning factor for um, the Perth Scorchers. So if you didn't know, I did an interview with Cooper in one of my episodes a few months ago. So go check that one out. Episode 25, I think it was, called Captain Australia with Cooper Conley. So go check that out. Um, That is it from me and Albie's out.